Agony! Agony for New Zealand! Balotelli! Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! It's all over! I think it's over! Is he going to get up? Can he get up? Can he get up? He does! Oh my goodness! Somehow Fury has managed to get up! Hello and welcome to this week's The Two Pinter with me, Jono. And me, Gaz. Uh, we're two friends who love debating all things sport. Um, friends from university going back to many moons ago when uh, we'd frequently argue about sport and then usually put a bet on that was two pints. Uh, so it's in two pints of a four-pint picture, hence the name. Uh, we're on social media at both Facebook and Twitter at Pinter2. So if you want to get in touch with us on there, ask us a barmaid question, anything like that, please do. Uh, I thought today with Gareth we'd uh, go over the end of the Tour de France, we talked about it quite a lot last last time. Yeah. Um, touch on Dylan White and his uh, career essentially being over, and uh, yeah, all the, all the quite bizarre things that happened in there. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on the Ashes briefly, although if you uh, want to get a more detailed preview, please listen to last week's uh, The Two Pointer Down Under, where I discussed it with a friend Kale from down there. Uh, football's back, Gareth, as we've just been discussing off air, the Charity Shield is, is upon us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll talk, talk about that and perhaps pick up on some of the transfer market. Uh, it's still not exploding, I wouldn't say. Things, things are happening, so it could be a busy period there. Uh, but we'll, we'll start off with the, the tour, Gareth. We were very excitable uh, last week and talking about how great a tour it was. and It carried on in much the same vein um, until, until perhaps this weekend. Um, well, perhaps you disagree, so I was just going to ask, is, it, is this the best tour in recent memory or, or was it slightly spoiled by, by the sort of ending of the two stages? The last, last well, sorry, the, the, the second and third to the last stage, the, the last stage is always a bit of a ceremonial one where everyone just goes rolls into Paris, isn't it? But the two before that actually mattered. Yeah, well, we had the, the so the one on the, uh, what would have been the Friday, um, was cut short because as they went over the top of one mountain, um, which was looking glorious, uh, in the valley below as they were descending down, um, there's a hailstorm that had hit, um, and although they had lorries trying to quickly cover the hail, I don't think it was a normal hailstorm either. By the sound of it, it was uh, quite quite big hail. Um, and obviously yeah, the pictures looked wild, didn't they? It didn't did. It to mud, mudsides and everything. It just looked, um, <laughs> looked yeah, well, wild, yeah. like you say. As I say, so after, after the hail, then came the mudslides, and all this was while the riders were quickly descending down into the valley. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so they, I think they, they initially made the call to, to kind of neutralise it, um, so just kind of pause everything and um, to restart it on the on the bottom of the next climb. Um, but because the mudslide had come and it, it was quite a quite a mudslide across the road where they were meant to be cycling through, um, sort of ten minutes later, um, they uh, they probably made, well. And then even while they were filming the mudslide, spectators, more mud was coming down. Um, so it's almost like a bit of an avalanche of mud. Uh, a bit like you actually on the on the weekend um, in the <laughs> festival that we were at, but, but anyway. Don't know what uh, you mean, Gareth. <laughs> that's, uh, that's something different to talk about. Um, but yeah, so while there was this avalanche of mud uh, there, they decided to cancel the tour or t- cancel the race completely and take the times off the top of the, the hill that they just called the mountain they just climbed, um, which was kind of controversial, but. Um, but I don't think anyone could really have an issue with it. I don't know. I thought they. I thought the tour organisers, considering it was kind of thrust upon them this sudden situation, I thought they they handled it really well. Um, no cyclists got injured. Um, perhaps a few egos were damaged, but other than that, and then the next 
the next day because of this mudslide and everything. Well, not just because of that mudslide, because of the bad weather. They had to really cut short the um, the next. There was meant to be three mountain climbs, and they only ended up having sort of one long mountain climb. And um, yes, it was only a I say only uh, only a fifty nine k I thought fifty seven k um, stage, uh, which is a lot shorter than what they normally have. So yeah, it was it was. Um, Sorry, a long answer to your your question, but yeah, it was. Uh... No, explained in, in great detail what happened. Um, I suppose, yeah, I, I, I couldn't couldn't disagree really that they they did what they had to do, and that, that you can't really stop the weather. No, it just it was a shame that I think the Friday stage was once again looking like a corker. Um, in that, um, Bernal who ended up winning it, uh, the Colombian for for Team Sky or Ineos as they now know, he. Uh, he had attacked and he sort of broken everyone else but he had gone out on his own and then he had a descent to do and um, some riders perhaps rated better descenders and then there was another climb so you think there was perhaps more drama to come or perhaps he would have built a more lead uh, built a bigger lead we don't know he was looking in great nick to be fair um, we, we, we don't know but if we're going to speculate I think what would have happened is yes Alan Fleet would have caught up on the descent he, he looks tremendous on descending but he'd already he'd already uh, been well he'd already popped as they like to say on the uh, on the previous climb Um so how he was suddenly going to get enough in the legs to to be able to attack on the second climb? Um, I don't know. I, I can't imagine that. And it was a, it was a summit finish as well. So uh, I think he would have probably lost more time um, going up uh, going up that second hill. Um, and yeah, as you say, Bernal was looking in absolute fine form. Um, so who's to say that he wouldn't have built a, a bigger lead? Especially as Yates had gone with him. So we had him and Yates at the front. Good work together. Um, I, th- I think it was just going to be a matter of Bernal stretching his lead out. Yeah, potentially. Um, Yates uh, did have a very good tour, didn't he? Um, was a, a constant bubble of excitement for someone who was meant to be just sort of supporting his brother, and he, he, he did probably better in the end, didn't he? Although maybe not on the GC, but overall he won two stages and, and was could bet even quite quite a lot of them. Um, but that's it, yeah, maybe Bernal d- would have done. But I suppose what we wonder if the the uh, group behind, which was you know. Uh, Bernal's teammate Thomas, who perhaps would have tried to control it and keep them behind, but if you wonder if the the Kreiswicks uh, and Bookmans of this world might have been able to work a bit more together and perhaps caught some of Bernal's time back, and then maybe it wouldn't have been as dominant the lead going into Possibly, the last but, day. But on, but on the last day, um, that's where it was only one climb, and that's where Bookman and um, Kreiswick should have been attacking because that's all they had left. Was in fact Kreiswick was only a handful of seconds behind Thomas in. So Thomas was second and Kreiswick was third, so he had everything to gain by, um, you know, and by attacking on that mountain. Um, and even still, Bernal and Thomas took another ten seconds or so off uh, off them. So I don't even buy that because they, they were saying in commentary maybe Kreiswick was holding holding out on the second for the second mountain and saving himself. But well, he didn't have to do that mountain, and the next day was a lot much shorter stage, and he still couldn't. Um, Attack on that mountain on the on the mountain the next day, so I don't buy that he would have bought any time back. Yeah, possibly it's a very short stage, though, wasn't it? And it was, um, yeah, those couple of day, uh, couple of days were finally when you you saw Sky did the usual thing of putting a load of riders on the front, which haven't really done this tour. So maybe they not could so do a bit. Well, not be a not bit so much that second stage though. That last that last the shortened stage, it was Kreisvik's teammates that were on the front. Um, also, yeah. And, so, but it's not. That's not the, hard, the hardest thing for the likes of Thomas and Bernal to defend, is it? it I, no. I suppose we're, we're 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 going round and round with this and debating. I suppose it, we we 
there is obviously it's, it's there's a lot you can debate about it. And I suppose going back to the original question, has it did it spoil at all, or do you think it was still um, a, a brilliant tour? Uh, well, we, 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 we got we got sidetracked from that question. I'm sorry, <laughs> we did. Sorry, yeah. I think yeah, I think it was still a brilliant tour. I think it could have been a sensational tour. <laughs> could have been like one of the one of the best, which probably was still one of the one of the greatest tours in in recent times. Um, yeah, it does feel as though we we kind of we were we were um, yeah kind of robbed of something that could have been tremendous. Um, but I still you know I, th- I think that to to then say that that spoiled the tour. You know, it's twenty two days out of what was already been um, you know nineteen other really good stages or most of the nineteen stages been really good. And um, yeah, I, I still think it was a it was a very good tour, very good tour. Um, just a shame that you know the weather um, kind of. Uh, hampered a bit of the ending, but I, d- I don't think the um, the ending would have been any different had it been two nice days. Yeah, and you might well be right. I suppose. Yeah, it's um, it's not necessary to criticise uh, Banal or Thomas or Banal or yeah, or Skyri. Maybe maybe for Banal, his, his moment was robbed somewhat, and he would have gone on to really dominate the rest of uh, stage or whatever nineteen, wouldn't it? Mm. Or stage twenty on the Friday, and would have really put a big gap in, and would have kind of underlined how good he is and. At 22, he looks a frightening prospect for years to come, doesn't he? Mm. He's already winning Tour de France at that age. That is a, uh, a rather young age to win them. Uh, yeah, just just kind of took about maybe that moment away, and it just would have been nice to see another mountain climb and see how that did. And then, yeah, the last day, um, yeah, have a bit longer and see if things developed a bit more because, yeah, it just never really got going that last stage. But, yeah, listen, it's not the throw of the baby out of the bathroom. We were still a brilliant tour. There was still great stage of going up to it and still going into that Friday. There was... You could probably say up to six or seven riders who had a chance um, of, of some at varying different levels. Um, so that is, yeah, that's it's not been like that for for a while. Um, and yeah, yeah that, that was exciting. So it was it was nice to um, to yeah, to nice. It was a great tour. Um, but that kind of leads me on to the next question, Gareth. Uh, can anyone end uh, Skinnyos's dominance? Um, they've now won seven out of the last eight tours. Um, yeah, you started with the Bradley Wiggins back in 2012, then Chris Froome. Won four out of the next five, and uh, then Geraint Thomas uh, beat him last year, and now Banal just beats Thomas. Uh, next year, you're from Mystic of Injury this year, quite a horrific crash you had before, but next year you could have all three of them back together again, all being Grand Tour winners. Uh, is there any end in sight for the uh, rest of the, the Peloton? Is there any, any hope of, uh, of ending Team Sky, Ineos's dominance? Um, yeah, good question, uh, John. I think it's hard to see, isn't it, because uh, Sky next. Or skinny off, as you say, next season we'll have potentially have Froome back, um, and they've definitely got um, uh, Carapaz, uh, Richard Carapaz, the uh, Colombian rider from Movistar, joining them. And he won the Vuelta, so you kind of think, well, um, they're giving themselves more and more options, and maybe they, I suppose, they've never won the Vuelta, the Tour de France, and the um, Giro all in one, one season, so they've held them. Um, at different times for for well they've held all of them at one period but it was over a two se- season so they won the um, Tour de France the Vuelta and then they won the Giro the next season um, but they never won all, I don't think they've ever won all three um, in one season so maybe that's part of their thinking if they can get as many GC riders and just try and go after all the belts if you like um, I suppose the only the interesting one will be um, whether Jumbo uh, Jumbo Visma the uh, Dutch um, company whether they have uh, whether Thomas Dumoulin who's been linked he's at Sunweb at the moment so whether he's been he's been linked with them um, 
potentially be their GC rider. I thought, I think, from what I was uh, I was reading, there was there's contract um, complications with that, and he signed a, a few year deal, and he's still halfway through that, and um, it's whether they buy him out of that. But but yeah, they they were really impressive, um, Jumbo Visma. Um, I think this tour uh, not only winning a few stages, competing in the sprints, and and also uh, competing in the GC. Um, so I think that that's the only sort of potential hope really. I don't think Movistar are ever going to get themselves into gear to to compete. Um, well, certainly not for a tour. I suppose you could argue they they did win the um, the Giro earlier this season, but yeah, I, I think there's hope. There's hope for Thomas Dumoulin, um, but it's <laughs> it's hard to see. Um, yeah, it's hard to see over the next five years. Ineos kind of losing too much, too many of the Grand Tours. Yeah, and I suppose there's well, apparently there were questions last year, wasn't there, about uh, some teams saying they would need a would one having a salary salary cap mm. in the sport. Um, yeah, uh, we haven't got the figures for this year as far as I've seen, but last year, yeah, uh, I think Jamovis were the only ones who came close to Sky in terms of what they were spending. Um, mm. Yeah, that Sky are in the the thirty millions. Movistar, I just say one of the other big names, and I've had a few. Yes, well, they won World Tour of Shane. I've had um, the likes of Nairo Quintana, who's been competitive in the tour, and winning it, and he has won the Belta and Giro as well. Um, yeah, they've been sort of seen as a um, sort of second one. Um, but then, yeah, sorry, no, it's Katusha, sorry, who's been a bit more. Jumbo Visma, I don't think I don't have a bad budget either. But yeah, Sky have got sort of a a yeah, double the budget of someone like Movistar, according to last year's figures. So it's uh, yeah, it's tough to. So tough to compete, I suppose. And if you say they're taking Carapaz off, uh, yeah, uh, off Sky as well, then yeah, they're, they're kind of getting all the riches at once, really. And then the, even the likes of them losing their best riders, the likes of Richie Paul and Mikel Lander, who become GC contenders for other ones, they're they're replacing them with equally good, if not better, riders. Mm. Um, and they, you can't knock uh, how they spend their money. Um, they they certainly do it well. Um, and. Yeah, but you need a team to have a, a real good strategy and have a real solid recruitment thing, uh, recruitment sort of strategy. I think if you could get someone like Tom Dumoulin, who was very impressive last year, you need to also surround him with some very good riders around him, mm. wouldn't you? And it's going to be tough to beat the uh, well, the last three winners of the Tour de France, yeah, uh, from from Thomas and Bernal, um, and and then uh, yeah, if you throw Carapaz, a Giro current Giro winner in there as well, um, they just seem to. Yeah, keep going good as well as having the the unsung heroes, the White Pools and the uh, Luke Rose of the world who, who are, you're very very good at what they do. So I suppose the, the, yeah, the only other um, one is um, TDF Energy with uh, with Pino. I think he he was impressive and he seems to have improved himself um, the last few years. And he was impressive. It's shame he got an injury towards the end. Um, yes, yeah, probably one um, probably one we didn't mention. Sorry, to cut you off. The uh, in terms of the sort of sad end of the tour, him going out injured mm. sort of out of nowhere was a bit of a sort of shade as well, really, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So I mean, I think, that, I think there are like talented riders in the other teams, but like you say, it's whether they can mount a, a complete team um, kind of attack <laughs> on um, on Ineos. But a lot of the other teams, they they try and do too many other things, don't they? I, I sort of quote some Thomas saying. You know, we don't care about all the other the, the green jerseys, the polka dot jerseys, the stage wins. We just care about the, the winning the winning the tour. Um, and I think unless you've got a, another team that's equally as driven as equally as kind of the one track mind, um, then you, yeah, I don't know whether you're ever 
going to get a team that's going to particularly compete with them. Yeah, um, you say Jumbo, I suppose uh, they, they had a great tour in that they had um, the sprinter, what's the... Uh, Grosvenwagen. Grosvenwagen, yeah. Grosvenwagen, he won, a, he, won a, he won anyone on stage but still bringing in Christ if he came third, so it's a good achievement for them. But they also won, um, they also, their, their mate won the, um, uh, it wasn't Grosvenwagen, it was meant to be him, but it was uh, Michael Timmins, uh, Timmins, Timmins, one I think it was the, the, the first stage that wasn't a, a time trial. Um he was meant to be the lead-up man for, well, help support uh, Grunewagen, but he ended up winning, winning it. So, yeah, they, you know, they, 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 did, they did really well, um, uh, yeah, Visma. Um, yeah, but also, yeah, I suppose they're trying to do two things there, and uh, or when it comes to a stage where something like a salary cap will get put in, or all other teams start uh, getting a bit too annoyed. Um, it's not, uh, it's a, you know, it's a French race, isn't it? Uh, not, not a place that generally uh, <laughs> accepts... Uh, English Invasion, uh, welcome and Lisa, would I guess some other teams should start teaming up against and try and work against uh, Ineos, which which probably, I suppose, happened a bit more. Probably this, this year, teams got a bit more aggressive, didn't they, which was nice to see. Yeah. Um, and, and I know they just carry on, but it's, it's going to be hard if, if Froome comes back to even a, you know, 70-80% of what he was, and then they throw Carapaz in there as well. Yeah, um, yeah you wonder where it all goes, but... Um, yeah, they they have the biggest budget and they and they use it very well. To be fair, and then obviously they head with tactics. Maybe that's easy because they've got the best riders, but they they don't waste them. That's no. uh, certainly true. Um, but yeah, uh, a really good tour. It was really fun for a while. Same a bit about the end, but um, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I think if, if most tours were that entertaining, we'd be more than happy. Mm. Well, that's um, really the last just the last sentence on that is only just um, maybe uh, Alejandro Leap thinks he can be a GC rider now and. Maybe the Dakota quit step can kind of get behind him and um, yeah, potentially uh, a thorn in the side in the future. But yeah, he he was certainly the um, the man of the tour, if you like. And, um, he's the one that um, just sparked everything off really and created controversy. And yeah, very good. Yeah, great point. Um, and yeah, to be fair, it was only it took a while to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even something like a time trial, which he wasn't particularly noted for, he managed to win that stage, which was just mm-hmm. um, I don't know if he was just coursing adrenaline for him but you know he beat the likes of Geraint Thomas and a, you know Olympic specialist in that race and it's another very good tyre trialist as well uh, in, in that form sorry of racing and other um, some other very good time trials as well so that was yeah that was shocking and uh, it was only later on and you know he, he would be talk about Sky and how dominant they are um, you know Alaphilippe didn't have much team support for a lot of it he had Emmerich Mass who kind of fell off but he didn't have um big team around him so yeah maybe if he could get a bit more of that he'd get a bit more protection mm. but he yeah it'd be interesting to see because he, he's obviously a live wire and definitely great fun to watch and uh, a breath of fresh air so or you wonder where he goes really and what they can do around him so yeah great point um, yeah less less good though um, we'll do a smooth transition here Gary, very nice less, very uh, nice and uh, yeah not, not, not as uh, yeah really painful to potentially see is Dillian White we think has a a positive drug tests. It's all very murky. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's been a report rather than any sort of official statement from anyone else. Um, There's been no denial, has there? He's been, he's been fairly quiet on social media saying that he is one thing about he couldn't say anything because of legal reasons. Uh, Hearn hasn't really taken up the, for once in his life, hasn't taken up the talk. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of been a report that, uh, yeah, he failed a drugs test and now they're questioning it, but then they knew about this test and then they were able to fight. Mm. Um, 
Now there are, I think, rules if 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 a one if the other team is aware of it, they can potentially go through with it pending a B sample. There's an A and B sample in drug testing. Um, but Oscar Rivas' opponent, and we said a lot of waxing lyrical about how well White did last week. Apparently, his camper said they had no notification of this, so that's uh, very underhand if true. Mm. Um, but yeah, maybe let's not. Uh, I suppose we, let's not get pulled down into t- how true it is or what we know about that because that will come out. But it, let's say it is true. Let's go a bit more hypothetical. Um, mm. How big of a blow is this for for the heavyweight division, and also how big a blow is it for British boxing? Um, it's an odd one, isn't it? Because I think White has looked um, good at times in the last two since he's lost to Joshua, and looked as though he could really challenge in the um, in the heavyweight division. Um, other other times he's not looked as good. Uh, his fights against Chisora. Um, See, and you could say, oh, he's biding his time and he's waiting for the big opportunity. And maybe the only time he has looked good is has it been because of drugs that you know we won't know. And um, I don't. I think the, the bigger the, because of if it had um, Joshua not lost um, earlier in the year, then I think it could have been a massive blow to the heavyweight division, as White was possibly the only one that was going to get close to the uh, to the big three. Um, but since uh, since. Uh, Joshua lost. I think that's what's blown the heavyweight division wide open. Um, the frailties of Joshua is potentially whether he's going to fight, uh, fight again um, to regain his belts. Um, yeah, that, well, whether Ruiz just um, fights other people and the belts get dispersed everywhere, and, and then Usyk comes involved because he's a mandatory. If, if, um, if, if, yeah, if, if that, if it came to that, and. Um, you then still got Fury and uh, Wilder yet to fight, and so I think, I think it's a bit harsh, perhaps on White, but had had what we, I don't think we know the true White, um, and had White not uh, had Rivas not won, um, had uh, Ruiz not won, then I think it would have been a huge blow to the boxing division. But because of um, yeah, because Joshua doesn't hold the belts anymore, I think. It's already been blown wide open. It's probably a different discussion about British heavyweight. I think uh, that's a big blow to British heavyweight division um, in terms of having a British heavyweight as, uh, as perhaps one and two or one, two and three. Um, but uh, but yeah, the heavyweight division as a whole, I don't think it's as bad as it could have been. Interesting take. Um, yeah, not really. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, a big Dylan White fan. I've sort of grown increasingly over the last few years as he seemed to carry on just fighting um, interesting challenges, fights he perhaps didn't need to have to take, and he didn't really take too many easy ones in between. He sort of took on Chisora twice, mm. um, and yeah, I think a fair point. He wasn't his great. I think he probably lost that first fight for me on the cards, mm. and the second one he was behind, but pulled out a corker of a punch. Um, but yeah, took on Parker, took on Rivas. Uh, forgetting someone else he's taken on, taken on as well. You know, he, he didn't shy away from any fights, so he mm. kept coming uh, to try and build himself and didn't didn't cry and, and wail too much about not getting his um, his chance and sort of say he's not going to fight again until Wilder gets there. He just kept on fighting and um, and, and beating very good opponents, really. Um, mm. So I, thought, I think he was very exciting, and I suppose, yeah, it's, it's a fair point that um, the heavyweight division is is very interesting now and all up in a bit of a smaller state of flux. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I think he would have been in some real, could have been in some real good fun fights, and um, it would have been really not. You know, he did turn down the 
chance of fighting Joshua this year, um, which it looks an even bigger mistake now, doesn't it? Mm. In light of all this, um, as it, yeah, I suppose what we didn't add was if he does fail this, he has failed a drug test before Dillian White. Um, again, in sort of suspicious circumstances, apparently he, did, he didn't knowingly take it. It was it was the board agreed, but he'd still get a two-year ban. And if he gets this now, um, it could be up to an eight-year ban. So he's he's careered over basically at the age he is. Um, yeah, he can make a comeback, but it'll, uh, it'll be pretty old by then, and he's, he's probably well behind him. Um, so, yeah, I suppose, yeah, the, the heavyweight division, as it always will, will survive, but it, I think he could have been in some really fun fights. I'd have loved to have seen him be any of the big three, really. I think he would have given him all problems in a different way. I think he's got a very difficult style, and he's very strong. Um, and, yeah, it would have been fun to see how he, how he would have taken on the challenge and how, uh, you know, the Furies, Wilders, and, and Joshua again would have taken him on. Um, so, so that's that's a real shame. But yeah, you're, you're right. There is the heavyweight revision does have plenty going on in it at the minute, and, and yeah, the likes of Usyk to come in uh, could make things more interesting. I suppose yeah, the, the angle I heard a couple of um, more Pacific boxing podcasts and ours take was that it was just a big embarrassment for British boxing, really, mm. and we sort of pride ourselves on being the the centre of the sort of fairness universe. Yeah, the moral. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, the moral. We, we talk with great pride about how our safety procedures are, are the best, and then. Yeah, this happens, and it doesn't seem like anyone's leading the charge in it. And, and that, to be fair, the deboxing drug um, management is is messy, and that um, supposedly fighters have to pay for it sometimes. But then the people who report back to the the uh, boxing board, uh, no, sorry, not boxing boards, the the belt holders, so the boxing organisations, the WCs, WBAs of the world, who they're meant to put down sanctions, which seems a bit of a conflict of interest when um, they could be putting out sanctions that hurt their own you know, pockets. Mm. So that is messy in itself, but yeah, at the same time, no one really seems to be taking the lead on this, and it's all very quiet. And um, and yeah, if they have allowed it to go ahead when someone failed a drugs test, that, that, that's, that's a terrible look. Yeah, um, yeah especially in the, the light of a couple more people, unfortunately, passing away in the boxing ring, mm. or after being in the boxing ring in the last week. So... Um, yeah, real shame for the heavyweight division if this all is all true, and let's hope there's some explanation. But um, yeah, it, it, all, it doesn't look great, and um, yeah, a real thing. You talked about Joshua. You wonder if something like this does. I've heard someone say it might damage his chances of getting Ruiz over here because if we've mm-hmm. had a bad episode, um, yeah, we still don't know. Heard keep saying that Joshua's deciding that, but it still seems to be sucking the negotiation stage. So yeah, I mean, it could hurt the negotiation position or something like that, and. Um, yeah, damage maybe damage Joshua's chances. He's, he's obviously never lost over here, but lost his first fight away. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about this as it more comes out. But um, yeah, it'd be a real shame to yeah see that. Like you say, if it is that fact he's had a great run because he's um, been juicing himself, then that's a real shame. Uh, and and you would lose some great fights and then lose someone who who turned his career uh, really well around since the Joshua fight. But, but perhaps there was some has made that happen. Mm. Um, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, we've got the uh, Ashes in a couple of days, Gareth. As I say, we can. Uh, yeah, we can. We, if you want a, a longer preview, you can listen to Two Partner Down Under from last week. But uh, yeah, I suppose any any thoughts on the Ashes, Gareth? Any predictions for for how we're going to get again, get on against the Aussies after the uh, sort of in the euphoria of the World Cup win? But now it's back to Test cricket, which uh, we've been a lot less good at the last few years than we have at one day one day form yeah um, well but yeah after, after, I mean after a convincing win against Ireland surely uh, it's going to be a 5-0 uh, whitewash <laughs> to England yeah I mean smashing the um, the sort of Palmer's part time test nation that was <laughs> Ireland um, after getting held out for 85 um, yeah it doesn't doesn't inspire confidence uh, when you're going to face the Australian attack who's probably a bit more menacing than um, 
and that's no disrespect to Tim Mercer and company, but um, yeah, the, the Aussie attack is, is probably probably a bit scarier. And um, I, th- I think, uh, to be fair, yeah. I, mean, uh, I don't like uh, complimenting you, uh, Jono, as, as uh, everyone probably well knows. But I thought the um, the podcast you did with uh, with Kale was very good, and it was uh, yeah, you, you you kind of both summed up uh, that um, the batting the batting isn't great, and it's all going to be down to the bowlers, is it for both sides? Is it was that my that was my Kind of yeah, no, it's probably a fair summation. I heard um, heard Ben Stokes on, on a podcast today say he thinks um, it's going to be one by the batsman because he thinks both bowlers will just kind of do what they do. So it's, it's which team can get a couple of batting performances together. I think he's probably right. Mm. Um, yeah, Joe Root's moving up to number three, um, which is it sounds like, which is uh, a constant debate in English circles where he should bat because he seems to prefer to bat four, but everyone thinks he should sort of take the uh, position where quite often. Uh, best people inside say for number three and sort of be the first man in if something goes wrong quickly. Um, it sounds like he's taken that on, but yeah, I don't know. He's the only one who seems to be really good in the side. So do you really want to mess with him? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I see he's taken on the challenge. And yeah, I say I'll back what we uh, back what I said earlier and uh, say three one England. Any any prediction from you, Gareth? Um, yeah, I don't really think the five nil uh, five nil England, but um, but yeah, I'll go for I'll go for a two two draw. Oh, interesting. Two to draw. Um, yeah, that would that would be uh, an upturn. Uh, we yeah, obviously we'll have to see where the uh, where the weather takes us. Um, yeah, it was looking like a nice summer, but the past weekend that wasn't the best, was it? Which, uh, <laughs> it certainly wasn't. Could, could uh, yeah, could see. Um, yeah, those sort of things can can decide to uh, ashes tournament ultimately. So yeah, two all would mean that one got rained out. Um, but we shall see. Of course, if it is a draw, the uh, urn would go back. To Australia, I believe. Um, as yeah, they won it last time. And if a draw, um, yeah, if it's a draw, it goes back to it goes to mm-hmm. the grain uh, holders. So that wouldn't be ideal, but we'll see. Mm. Um, yeah, then lastly, Gareth, we're um, fast approaching the football season. Um, <laughs> it seems to have yeah come around very quickly. Um, it did. I said we seemed to end very early last year, so maybe it's not as quick as we think. But yeah, it seemed early. It would be early August when it starts. But yeah, the uh, the big two, the, the two dominant sides last year. Uh, City and uh, Liverpool were in the Charity Shield. Your boys, Liverpool, Charity Shield this week. Um, do you, what, what are you hoping to see? I think most of your half of your best players have been playing most of the summer. Haven't they, Gareth? So <laughs> you hoping it's just the uh, just the youngsters out and they see who City put out. Yeah, I, th- I think. Um, well, we, we, we've not had a great pre-season in terms of results-wise. Um, Klopp begs that begs to differ in that says that um, it's been a good. Been good workout, and he's seen lots of um, good things that he wanted to see. But um, but yeah, I think we lost. Well, I, I think I know we lost three 0 to uh, Napoli last weekend, um, which wasn't ideal preparation. Um, but yeah, I think we, we touched on it last week. If uh, if results are going well, then it's a great preseason. If results aren't going well, then it's well, it's only preseason doesn't really matter. So um, we had six players that uh, have been away, six first teamers, and Mo Salah's back in training today. I think he came or yesterday. I think he came back. Um, I don't. I, yeah, I, I suppose it's it. Yeah, I, I don't expect anything great from the Charity Shield. If I'm honest, um, I think it could be a, a fairly convincing win for City. Um, but then it's only a week. Oh, obviously, a week later, less than a week. Um, that uh, we play Norwich at home, and I expect a, a you know a, a good a good solid win to start with. Uh, Norwich used to be. Our um, team that we like to play with when when Suarez Suarez was around, so yeah, hoping for a, a good start to the uh, to the season. Um, but yeah, in terms of Liverpool haven't really done much 
touching the transfer market and maybe you're going to touch on other teams that have done a little bit but uh, yeah I don't hold out much hope for the Charity Shield <laughs> yeah uh, almost a nice segue Gareth but I'll just, just comment on some of the stuff you said um, just to ruin that lovely segue uh, yeah, I saw, uh, saw a piece saying about Mane, uh, how much he's played, sort of 110 games the last couple of years and mm. hasn't really had the break of a longer than a, I think it was a two weeks mm. in between anything. So he's, you know, it's he's, he's relentless that. And if you kind of look at uh, research about injuries, it's kind of, isn't you know, it's the ones that get you are ones when you're constant wear and tear have not really had a break to put, properly recharge. And um, obviously you... You fought on a couple of different fronts in your last season and, you know, all the way to Champions League final and, and you had the... Uh, high pressure game after high pressure game after high pressure game in the title race. So they're not, you know, they're not easy games. They're all games that you go up for, and uh, you know, you relentlessly attack it. Uh, you know, you're relentlessly going for, it. as well as um, your style, as, as entertaining it is, and as much as you probably love watching it, it's not the easiest style on players. So I suppose, um, yeah, you, you probably don't want any players this weekend. This weekend, uh, any players playing this weekend are your big boys, and uh, I suppose is that is uh, load management, as you might call it. Uh, in other sports, uh, is that something that worries you? And are you, are you, would you try and sacrifice some of the of your big boys early on in the season to give them a bit more rest? Or where do you see that going? Yeah, I don't, I don't think we have much option. But people like Salah and uh, Mane certainly. Um, I think that, uh, Bobby Firmino is another one who I don't think will play much in the first month or so. Um, but you know, we've got we haven't got any massive injuries. I don't think so. We're going into the season with a, a fit um, Chamberlain who's back and. Um, well, to a lesser extent, Lallana, but uh, we've got some sort of a couple of exciting players, Rian Brewster, who's back from injury, and um, yeah, perhaps uh, can hopefully seize his opportunity. I think that, I mean, that's what Klopp's really good at is the, the man management thing, and I think putting your arm around somebody like a Brewster or even a Harry Wilson and saying, you know, Manny and Firmino aren't around for the first couple of weeks, you show me what you can do, and um, you know, I, I'm not going to put them back in the team until. Until I think they they can do a better job than you, and you know, just put the onus back on them to to um, step up. Um, they're both, I suppose, Bruce is a bit younger, but um, you know, Wilson's into his twenties now, and um, yeah, time to he did well with Derby last week last season, so kind of time to shine, really. Yeah, fair point, and it also you you had a the best defence didn't you in the league last year, so if you could rely on, and it's not guaranteed that'll happen again, but if you could rely on that to be solid, then. Mm. Yeah, you should have you should have enough quality players who can could nick a goal uh, here or there and then essentially put that through. But uh, I suppose we can talk about this and all the more bit next week. I'm sure we'll do a, a bumper Premiership preview for you all to get excited with. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you did uh, touch on transfers there, Gareth, and there has been before. It's been I feel like a fairly quiet summer. Um, things have been finally picking up. Um, probably the biggest shock of all, Arsenal seem to have got a, a quite a big deal done quite quickly. Um, yeah, Arsenal, you always yeah kind of the. Um, the, the bridesmaids really aren't they the transfer market they talk a great game and get linked to everyone and then and don't sign anyone or it turns into a saga and they get them two weeks into the season and that wouldn't happen now obviously with the transfer uh, market being a yeah, different uh, date but I remember Rose all coming in a good two weeks into the season and has never really woken up since has he um, no yeah but uh, yeah Pepe uh, for 72 million although it's um, 72 million over a few different years but uh, yeah exciting uh, winger it certainly looks like from his YouTube highlights Uh yeah, so bit of pace, and he seems to be quite a direct run at people player. Um, Just what Arsenal need, yeah. Isn't it? I want to say it's always a desperate thing, but uh, <laughs> you know, if, if it's just always good to build on your strengths, yeah. and uh, yeah, the, 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 the strength was attacking last season. Wasn't it? With, with Bang Yang and Lacazette, you throw Pepe in there if he's 
uh, somewhat as good as he looks and somewhat as good as his price tag indicates, that's quite an, quite an exciting attack. Mm. Is, uh, is, is top four a possibility for Arsenal? Um, it's certainly a possibility. I think, um, yeah, I, I think the, the issue is going to be is going to be defence. Um, there's no replacement for Mustafi or Koscielny at this at this moment. Um, we have only got you say Arsenal done the business early, and I think we've only got about ten days left, haven't we? Nine, uh, week Thursday, I think the the transfer window shuts. Um, yeah, no, sorry, it's not loads of time, but for Arsenal, that has, that's probably been quite good in recent <laughs> years, hasn't it? If you remember that, and you remember the summer when was it Van Persie left, and suddenly they got in like mm. uh, Giroud, and oh yeah, got Motosaka in, and that Andre Santos last minute. They're, they're not always the quickest, and yeah, it's just nice to see a deal get done quite quickly. Mm. But uh, but yeah, it's not loads. You're right. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think City, Liverpool, and probably Spurs um, are going to be in the top three. Um, and then it's kind of a bit of a, a bit of an unknown with United, Chelsea under Lampard's an unknown, uh, Arsenal, um, bizarrely probably the one that's kind of got the most consistency of those three going into uh, into this season, uh, in terms or stability maybe is the right word rather than consistency. In terms of they've got they've kept hold of the players, um, they have added, they might not loads but they have added and um, yeah. Certainly, a possibility of top four. I think they're gonna. We talked a few months back about um, the possibility of Wolves joining that that top six group, um, and then maybe Everton and Leicester. And uh, Everton seem to be buying well, um, and Everton have got to put themselves kind of in with a shout of, you know, if you're going to challenge top six, then there's, I don't think there's any reason why you can't challenge top four in in terms of that last fourth spot. Um, yeah. No, I mean, no one, no one really won it at the end of last year, did they? Chelsea sort of had a, a bit of a run, and I say a run, it wasn't like they won 10 games in a bounce, they just won a few games here and there, and Arsenal fell apart, and, and Spurs um, weren't far off doing either, mm. finally sort of getting over the line, and United didn't offer much of anything, so mm. um, it wasn't the, wasn't the fiercest battle for the third and fourth spots you'll ever see. Um, so... Yeah, I think, I think Arsenal have got, I mean, they've got Sir, Sir Bellos, I think you pronounce it, from uh, Real Madrid on loan, who sounds like quite a handy player, so if he's any good, that'd be interesting. Mm. But yeah, you're right, defence is still what they need. Uh, speaking of defenders, uh, the, the name that's been touted about as a potential option for, for both uh, both Manchester clubs, Danny, uh, Danny Harry Maguire. Mm. Um, uh, 90 yeah, million, talk of, Yeah, 80, 90 million, I've heard quite a lot. Um, where do you think he'd be better going, United or City? Um, good question. Um, I think he, he's got more chance of, of making a, a bigger impact at United. Um, but unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, I'm, I'm quite pleased about it. But I think uh, from his point of view, if he went to United, he'd be um, such a, a club that's kind of all over the place at the minute in turmoil, both behind the scenes and on the pitch. And your big name stars seem to be um, wanting away. Lukaku's not going. Um, on the uh, on the tour, and he looks like he's he's off. Um, there's so many, so much kind of turmoil around the club. Um, depends how much you back yourself, I suppose. Do you want to be the one that steps in and is the uh, is the one that's going to steady the ship and create yourself a bit of a legend? Um, or and yes, we nobody know. Well, I think he's from around Chesterfield area, so I don't know whether he's a he's a United or a City fan from uh, from that. But you know, you maybe supports United and uh, wants to join the team, but. Um, if you wanted trophies, um, if you wanted Champions League football, um, yeah, and you if you want to play with one of the best coaches in the world, um, 
then it's got to be it's got to be City, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting question. Yeah, um, it's just yeah, you think um, he's probably got a greater chance of game time at United um, and more time to develop himself. But as you say, but it, um, even then, I don't think City have got you know they lost they've not no longer got a company. Um, Otamendi's kind of getting on a bit, and Ian Stones doesn't seem to be the player that um, Pep, Pep perhaps thought he could develop him into. Uh, and Laporte, Laporte, who's kind of regular last year, so yeah, there's then, options. But you're right, yeah. there's no one dominant necessarily there. His place potentially to win that team. I suppose United haven't particularly got anyone apart from Smalling and Jones still going strong. And I think you're right when you say United haven't got anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ten years later, then two still not really having filled any potential. Mm. Um, but yeah, then and uh, you say what you want about Pep, and I know regularly say uh, what I think about him and how I think he's perhaps a bit overrated. Uh, but he, he does seem to definitely improve players. Um, maybe his record with defenders isn't as good, but um, but maybe a Laporte or a, a Gerald Piquet would disagree with me there. Um, so he yeah he, he does seem to get players, and you would obviously be praying a. A better round of football, and yeah, compare Pep to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it's not really comparable, is it? No. Um, apart from perhaps you know ability to score last minute winners in a Champions League final. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think um, it'd be interesting to see what he does, and I, I think if if you're United, you're probably more desperate for him um, just to try and have that. And uh, still, Maguire's probably got a bit of a way to go to, to justify that sort of price tag, and be a lot of pressure on him. But um, price tag are bonkers nowadays, so we'll see where he ends up. But it could be an interesting thing, and. Yeah, hopefully a bit more uh, business will get done. It, it sounds like Gareth Bale is not being allowed to move from Real Madrid, so God knows what's happening there. Mm, um, it's an odd one, isn't it? He, he, it is, and yeah, he'd be a game changer if he could back anyone in the Premier League could get him back um, yeah. in good form. But yeah, we'll, we'll see and perhaps catch up with that. As I say part of a, a preview next week and see if anything else has happened. Um, but that's probably about all from us this week. Unless anything else you wanted to say, Gareth? No, no, I think we've we've done well there. Covered the, covered everything that we needed to. Yeah, fair enough. Say, so, uh, yeah, look forward to chatting Premiership and, and all things else next week. Um, and yeah, if you want to catch us or, or ask any questions for for the barmaid uh, next week, feel uh, feel free to catch us, catch us on Twitter or Facebook at Pines Two. And um, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. Cheers.